Hello and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Next up today, I'm joined by Max Scott, CEO of Star, Star Property Group. And Star Property Group currently has a portfolio that's valued in excess of 80 million. Max, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, Max, just before we started recording, we were trying to recall having met um, a, a number of years ago and actually quite a lot has changed in the marketplace um, since we since we sat down together um, a number of years ago. So what well, first of all, maybe explain to people Star Property Group. What does Star Property Group do? So the Star Property Group is the investment arm of the Star Group. So the Star Group has its roots in the betting industry. And when I first met you four years ago, we hadn't actually bought any property in, in Ireland yet. So my, my role is to grow the investment side of the business. And as a result of that, we've started several trading businesses under Star Property, which will help us both in terms of execution and in terms of when we, as and when we scale up more and more and more, uh, which our growth trajectory is quite quick in the last couple of years, uh, they'll support that. So we've got Star Law, we've got Star Construction, Insurance. They're just things that make it easier to invest a huge amount of property in the future, which is where we believe we're going. You know, there, there's something, I think your business model is really interesting and the approach to it is something that um, sometimes can happen very organically. So I think it's a little bit like Steve Jobs might have referred to when he talks about kind of, how it's easy to join the dots working backwards whereas uh, for you guys you did this very strategically from the start so in terms of talk to us about I, I suppose the early days because getting to where you've gotten now um, you can see where the strategy comes into play but obviously funding that uh, in the early days would have been quite a challenge so maybe talk to us just about kind of the early start. Okay, so the, the roots of Star Property. So I, I was working at Star Sports, the, the betting business, and it, it wasn't really for me. I was interested in it. I learned a lot. And I saw an advertisement of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'll go along for a free property seminar. And I'd made enough money and, and saved. And I put all my savings into property investment courses and seminars um, off the back of that initial uh, ad that popped up on, on my Facebook. And I said to the current uh, majority owner of the group, look, I'm, I'm going to go and do this now. Um, and he's, they had one flat and one shared house, um, or no, a couple more than that. But he said, well, why don't you stay and do that with me? And in the early days, yes, okay, we, we developed a couple of properties and we did a couple of properties a year, but it was very, very small. And then I remember it's 2015, I did my first cash purchase and a title split, buying a block of flats and splitting the titles to sell individually, but we actually just remortgaged them individually. That's not something that's overly common over, over in Ireland, actually. And then from sort of 2017, 2018, we've really grown rapidly as the business has launched online, uh, etc. There's, there's a lot more avenues of the profit making side of the business now. Um, certainly the growth over the last four years has been phenomenal and yet that was happening in a marketplace where much more experienced investors in, in and experienced not just in property investing but actually in the investment market in Ireland might have thought that those opportunities didn't exist. So just talk to us maybe about some of the deal flow over the last four years and by the way I love that you started the interview by um, referring to Robert Kiyosaki because I, I, I know then we're on the right wavelength. Yeah, great. Um, so the question was about our, our deal flow over the last couple of years. So 
I get this sort of deal anxiety when you haven't done a deal for, for a couple of months and when's the next deal going to come from? And, and, and I realized this point last year that actually the best way to get deals is to do deals. So if you're constantly doing deals, deals will find their way to you. So the most important thing for me is doing what I say I'm going to do, because if you and there's so many people that muck agents around and sellers around, it's a short term game. We're looking at this for with a 100 year view as a generational company. And so when I say I'm going to do something, I've got I've got to be able to do it, having flexible funding options, which mean you can get deals across the line. That's really helpful as well. And I think the biggest thing about finding deals is looking for an avenue to add value that other people have overlooked or certainly most people. Um that's a really powerful way to 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 summarize a whole career of learning the best way to get deals is to do deals you know it, it goes beyond integrity as well because there's there's a research phase that people go through um and that's something that i to be honest i've, I've spoken to countless investors at the research stage and one thing you know very quickly is that all the ducks rarely line up that actually um, you can a lot of the skill of property investing, property developing is about de-risking property, but you can't eliminate all risk. You know, no. the, the skill is in de-risking, but there's a level to it. And I, I suppose I can I can maybe uh, add a testament to you actually doing what you'll say you'll do, because actually our first I know our first conversation was very much off the cuff. And I had just had a conversation not knowing you. I had just had a conversation with an estate agent in Dublin. Who had left his agency and i had known that estate agent or i'd known that estate agent because he was always seen as the go-to guy for off-market pre-63 deals that's how i'd known him over the years he'd had a conversation with me probably a day before i met you and he said he had gone out on his own and he had these deals and the next morning i think you and i met in a hotel in dublin and i mentioned to you that this agent had this the, these deals thinking that one or either of the two pre-63s that he had at the time would be suitable for you and I think I got a call maybe a week later to say yeah that guy's gonna take the two of them so it's like great and actually in a way there's quite a shortcut um to figuring out who people are in the marketplace when you see how they operate you see how they act um you know it, it's much easier than spending months and years trying to learn about somebody how they operate when you actually see them operating in practice so that was a really interesting um that was an interesting one for me because the meeting i had with you i have probably had 30 40 50 very similar meetings where i mentioned deals that had been mentioned to me in the week before and um it's just to me that's the recognition of somebody who's past the research stage they're ready to jump. And more importantly, they recognize a deal because one thing that I see with, um, I won't say reluctant investors, hesitant investors, is that they're always looking back at the deal they missed out on and they don't understand how it impedes the deal flow in front of them. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting one to, to look at. But actually, because you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, you've probably seen that he is not bullish at all on property at the moment. He doesn't understand why anybody would be buying in the current market. So what, what's your take on that? Uh, I think he's been saying a lot of things for a few years and making some um, statements about crashes that would come in 2016 and then it was 2018. And um, 
So my, my thing is you've got to time things very, very well. And the example I always give, and this applies far more to the UK than Ireland because the crash was so much more severe in Ireland. But in the UK, let's say you were really clever and you predicted the market crash and you did so in 2005 or six. By the time 2008 and the crash comes, the market only falls to the level where you would have stopped buying anyway. So to time it perfectly is nearly always going to be impossible. So I wrote an article at the beginning of COVID, property booms as the recession looms. And I was really nervous about how things were going. I just bought my own main house as well. And we just agreed that we have to lower our risk, but keep buying because it's it's very very hard to predict markets economists don't do it correctly ever you know there's always someone that predicts it correctly but that's because people have different viewpoints so really and is there an element though that if you predict the same thing for long enough at some time you're going to be right it's a little bit like a, a stopped yeah. clock you know it's going to be right twice a day anyway and there, there's there was an rte economist that was always uh throughout the celtic tiger you know it, it was always said that he predicted seven of, of the last two recessions because he predicted recessions all the time that on two occasions he was right but um you know that that there you know part of this is if you say the same thing for long enough you're probably going to be right at some point absolutely i think the main thing is to protect yourself so don't buy something at what it's worth and have no cash flow hoping that the market's going to go up you know that that's crazy but if you invest for cash flow not for upside you can rely on inflation because it's something that's so fundamentally important to the economy and that governments want and need it so they're always going to try and ensure there's a little bit of inflation which is going to erode your debt and protect you long term if you invest for cash flow you've got good rental coverage you should be relatively safe okay and um, i want to take us back to to Star Property Group and the work that you're doing. Um, you describe it as an end-to-end -end property solutions company, but what does that mean? So basically, I, th I think a lot of the frustrations that I've had over the years in dealing with external pro providers can, solicitors are a very big one. You know, if you leave things to solicitors and accountants, often you won't get anything done. So what I feel like I have a lot is solicitors saying, oh, we're, or they're an agent chasing me, our solicitors waiting on your solicitor. And I called and I said, yeah, we've had something in five minutes ago and we've been waiting on it for weeks and there's never clear communication. And so I was getting a bit frustrated with this and frustrated with the free solicitors. And I thought I want them to work for me, not just me to be their client, but if they work for me, I run a sort of, and the background owner in, their, in the business as well, then I'll be treated slightly differently. And so I came up with an idea of how to structure something to get started with the idea of a legal firm without much risk. We put that underway and it started making quite good money and then we decided to acquire a fully fledged legal practice that's in the uk not in ireland we do still use a lot of external solicitors but it just started the idea of with our volumes we can start a business without having the same startup risk that most people would have you know we'll save money in-house therefore we can't really lose that much money and we've got big upside and core expertise so it's very strategic if we don't make any money but we increase our core expertise and execute our current deals better that adds a lot of value to us. And then when I started realizing that, I thought, what else can I start? And so I slowly started piecing these businesses together. So now it means that, so we've bought about 35 million pounds worth of property in about 15 months. And I'm like, what if I have to buy 15 a year or 18 a year? That's gonna be really hard because we don't like buying big fancy things where yields are low. We wanna work really hard and graft out a better return. That's only really gonna be possible if you've got a strong in-house 
in-house team to support you. So now we've built that primarily for ourselves, but because we are investors as well as business owners, we understand far many, far more aspects of how those businesses should run and what's important to investors that we're really well suited for portfolio landlords to work with us and investors to build their portfolios as well. Shoring up the supply chain in a way that's just another way of de-risking the investment. Um, you know, it's something that we see quite a lot across the construction industry and maybe we haven't seen as much in property. Um, but one of the things that I'm particularly interested in as a UK company, you're not just obviously active um, in the UK and Ireland, um, you're across the Isle of Man, Montenegro and Tel Aviv. So just really, because I think it's important for, for uh, Irish policymakers and for people in the Irish industry, you know, we, we can do a bit of navel gazing. You know, it's good to, to understand what um, the perception is outside of Ireland as well. You know, given that uh, being a landlord in Ireland has become so burdensome that there is quite um, a, an unfair tax, um, an unfair tax burden when you split across, say, private institu institutional landlords. You know, it's not, we've become increasingly not just balanced in terms of landlord and tenants rights um you know we've really swung the pendulum in the other direction that actually landlords are really not very protected in the marketplace at all and we have a market that doesn't evict tenants uh, for non-paying uh, payment of rent and things like that so as an investor looking um you know obviously geography is not an issue for you you can look at other at many jurisdictions what in Ireland is attractive and maybe what is less attractive or potentially worrisome for the company? So what's attractive, I think, about Ireland? Um, there's a couple of different things. What I think is it's everyone seems to talk positively about Ireland around the world. And I think that's really important. It's also got a lot of potential in terms of it is the foot in the door to Europe for American businesses and tech and that's where a lot of the development and growth has been is, is from these companies coming in that's more people coming in with with good earnings and spending and that sort of develops the economy as well so it's very uniquely placed with a low tax structure and then the foot in the door to Europe with English speaking to provide that so that's one of the big positives I also think that it's very hard to get a yield around the world everyone talks about the hunt for yield and the hunt for income and if you're doing the right types of property in Ireland, and if you're doing it well, I think it's really well positioned to, to get good incomes. And when I first went out there, we, we built a decent portfolio. It might have been, let's say, 5 million euros. And we were still struggling to find any finance, which was below 5 or 6% at 50% loan to value. And Eurobor, so the, the interbank rate from, from Europe was negative. And I'm like, how, how is it? finance so expensive here and of course maybe there's not a huge amount of banks and competition and their balance sheets were so hurt during the crash I thought that doesn't make sense worldwide you know our borrowing rates were probably less than half of what your yours were for certain types of property and as a small to medium investor you could not get good finance we're now in the club of getting good finance from from bigger banks because we've got a bigger portfolio but that took some time and I just thought well if the loan to values go from 60% to 70% and the rates go from 6% to 3.5%, what's that going to do to returns? It's going to make them go up. What's that going to do to property prices? It's going to make them go up. So I think fundamentally, there is still a lot of room in, in the market for that. Okay. The finance is an interesting one. It's one that comes up here um, time after time. And actually, there's still 
Ireland's finance market is exceptionally small. So are you saying that you're dealing primarily with main lenders now at this stage? We are, but even with a five million pound portfolio, we weren't. And that was unencumbered at one point. And it was being mucked around by different banks and then changing their minds. Or um, we found it really, really hard work. I mean, b- banking in general and getting mortgages over the line is, is, is hard work. But, you know, I've accused them in the past of death by paperwork and, and things like that. And um, de- <laughs> being responsible for a lot of deforestation in the Amazon. But when I was getting frustrated. But, um, yeah, there, there isn't a huge market. And I think more competition and more confidence and better balance sheets will make financing cheaper and easier. Given the business model of Star Group, is this something that you've explored? We have on on several occasions, both in setting up um, a private bridging lending, both in doing our own private bridging, uh, and in last year we had um, a couple of conversations with about acquiring um, a bank. And I was really excited about it for all the reasons of potential. The bottom line is we just didn't have we could have had the money to do it, but then not and invest as well. And it just wasn't our thing at the time. It's something that we might do one day, but the amount of money you need was far higher to really give it a good run. And it was a much more long term project. So it's just um, not for us for now. OK. And do you think that that's the same rationale that's keeping other uh, competitors out of this jurisdiction? Um, not really, because I think um, we came to that decision we, we, we pummeled all our money into property investment and, and growth and we've, we've got other investments as well and money's gone back into business but we haven't taken a lot out so you know 80 million after mortgages that's not enough to start a bank and um it's for the people with hundreds of millions and the people with the existing banks they're the ones that should be looking at it and going going into that market um max in in less than a decade the portfolio has grown to exceed 80 80 million euros what is the long-term strategy? You know, I started this interview by talking about how strategic um, your approach has been, not just in the Irish market, but overall, and, and not just in terms of property, but actually shoring up your, your supply chain. Um, what's next? Um, I think that there's, in terms of our model, that there isn't really an end game. There isn't, oh, when we get to this point, we will start cashing in our chips. This is something that we see as generational. I don't believe in end games. I like, you know, to play the game because I enjoy it. We want to do this because because we can in, in many ways. And, you know, I don't want to retire. I don't want to do any of those things. So it's about, I'm sure we'll change and evolve as we go along, but essentially we want to just continue doing what we're doing. So much of that growth has come recently. We want to just capitalise on that eventually we'll then start you know reducing our debts or owning more in cash and doing things to, to diversify in that way we invest in other businesses um, and we're looking to anything that has a strategic gain for the business and can generate a return on our money we pay attention to we try and learn about different things and um, you know with, with where we've come from and where we're going over the last five years it's evolved and changed massively and that's when the nearly all of the portfolio has grown in, in that time so I don't know what will happen in five years, but we'll certainly try and be at the forefront of, of most things and pay attention to anyone doing anything interesting. Okay, given that the growth has been so recent and you said it yourself, there are property booms as the recession looms. Um, given that the growth has been so recent, how, how are you uh, feeling, I suppose, about the next 18 to 24 months? I'm a little bit nervous. There's definitely... Uh, 
reason to be nervous but i think when you've got a lot you can lose a lot and that that's sort of something that that uh, stays in in my mind but equally you've got very high construction costs at the moment so how, how far can a property fall when you are behind in the uk and ireland on the number of houses you need you've just taken in huge amounts of ukrainian ref refugees there's property that's needed for all of those people there's a massive housing shortage in ireland there's hardly anything available to rent um fundamentally if you gave away land for free with planning permission you're still not going to rebalance the um supply of property very quickly and so that has to support its price you still have relatively low interest rates you can still get a return on your money so i, I think um cautiously moving forward having an eye on stress testing what happens if rents go down if your portfolio is vacant if your interest rate goes up what happens if there's a 10% drop in prices, a 15% drop in prices? You know, if you can survive all of those things, I think it's important not to try and guess the markets too much. Um, there'll always be talk of a recession and there'll always be talk of a boom. But in terms of the 18-year property cycle, I think there's factors which mean that you can't call it the 18-year cycle, but is it going to be between 15 and 25? Probably. So I think you've got to pay attention at the moment. I do feel that there'll be a correction at some point just from how things naturally unfold over two to five years, but predicting when there's normally a trigger, which like COVID, like um, Lehman Brothers going bust or something that is very, very hard to foresee, which happens quite quickly. Um, so when things are overheated, it, a trigger might happen. Um, but essentially I think governments are much cleverer at managing recessions these days. And I think the difference with the last recession or the, the biggest recession of the financial crisis was that was primarily a financial based recession and provided the changes that we've made to the banking system mean that they continue lending the biggest risk is that lending stops if lending carries on it shouldn't have the same level of crash as there is before and i said that to a bank manager um who was who pulled our lending as as covid kicked off and i said if you are one of five banks and you all pull your lending from everyone you will cause a crash because no one's going to be able to lend, therefore every, everyone's to, to borrow, sorry, everyone's going to have to, to sell or not be able to pay as much for property and you'll cause a crash and you'll cause your own balance sheets to get hurt. And he said, I don't know what you mean, but I can't, I can't, it's our policy. It's too risky to lend at the moment. So provided that sort of stuff doesn't happen, I think we'll be okay. Okay. And Max, before we finish up, can you share with us maybe what, what deal flow is passing across your desk at the moment? So we are focusing on the pre-63 market at the moment. Um, the residential sector has a lot lower risk, I think, than, than commercial. Uh, we have just done a very big deal in commercial um, in, in Ireland of Ashbourne Town Centre. Um, so that's taken quite a lot of our finances for a while. So between the UK and Ireland, yeah, we've got stuff in the pipeline, uh, retail with uh, residential potential in the UK um, and the pre-63s we've got few deals lined up still and um we'll probably focus on execution for for a month or, or two and then we'll be looking at scaling up on on those models again okay are you looking to hear from any uh portfolio owners who may be wishing to exit the market or maybe any agents that are looking to get deals closed um before the end of this year oh yeah absolutely um so if you contact deals at star-property.co.uk um that would be the thing for, for deals and portfolio landlords yes as well we'll be very interested in, in conversations around there and if you just want to keep up to date with what we're doing generally um it's instagram is star property uk my personal one is 
max underscore star property and we're on linkedin as well at star property uk you know, Max, I, we don't let everyone do that. I'm only letting oh, you. Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm only letting you away with it because I, I know that you're as good as your word, and I think the business model, what you guys are doing, is really interesting. Um, you're certainly ones to watch, and I look forward to having a conversation with you in 18 to 24 months' time when we have started to see some of these cracks widen and to see how the strategies are holding up because that's how we'll all learn. Um, so Max, thank you so much. That was Max Scott, CEO of Star Property Group. Um, again, thank you for being so transparent and, and actually sharing some of the strategies because sometimes that's the part of the conversation that tends to, to, be, kept, um, to be kept private. So it's really important to share it. And that's it from Property Matters on my Property Radio for this week. Um, my thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>